The Working Artist Project is brought to you by Second Line Arts Collective. Learn how you can support at secondlinearts.org. We're creating a platform for those who are curious. One that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time, captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is The Working Artist Project. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Working Artist Project. My name is Gregory Ajid, and today is the 4th of April, 2022. Darian Douglas, how are you doing this evening? Gregory Ajid, I am doing good. I don't know if y'all know this, but Greg is right behind me. Uh, this is the second time we've done this, and he refuses. He refuses. <laughs> to be on camera with me he hates me y'all but uh greg i'm doing good and i'm happy to be in your presence in real life and uh, we got a good show ahead of us today you know i i appreciate the honesty and uh, you throwing me under the bus like that um yes we're gonna have a wonderful show i'm very glad to have you back in new orleans and like i told you earlier man it's, it's nice to have you back because uh, i don't think you've been here for like the last two years and all of a sudden in the span of three months you've been here three times there so. you go but uh, hey, look, before we jump into the show, we do got some housekeeping, like you say, every week. We got to tell the people about the Sana Music Workshop that we got coming up uh, this summer, June 6th through the 17th. And we got some special guests, right, Greg? We have a, 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 a bounty of special guests this, this uh, year. And uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with what we do, Second Line Arts is a nonprofit organization based out of New Orleans, Louisiana. And uh, we started this whole project off with a summer camp. So this year we'll be hosting our sixth annual Sanaa Music Workshop. And uh, if you all know any young people interested in pursuing a career in the arts, uh, send them over to our website, secondlinearts.org, and you can register for our camp over there. It's a, gonna be a, a two week camp. And we have uh, a very special guest coming in from Chicago, Mr. Marquise Hill, who will be joining us the first week. I believe we just got the fantastic Jason Marcellus, um, wonderful percussionist and vibraphone player and probably the best whistler on the face of this earth. Um, and he's gonna be joining us the second week of camp. And we also have uh, a, a bunch of um, wonderful, wonderful industry professionals that are gonna be joining us talking about different aspects of what they do in the music business. So once again, yeah, please please send the young people our way and uh, you can register at the, for the camp at secondlinearts.org there you go so y'all know what to do all right y'all let's get right into the show today we got the one and only jocelyn gould uh guitarist extraordinaire um i think she's our first juno winner which is which is the canadian equivalent to a grammy as we just had the grammys yesterday she she is basically a grammy uh winner so you know she she's famous she went to school down in michigan we got a lot of uh, friends in common and uh i i think I'm, I'm pretty sure she when she comes on here in a second she'll correct me if i'm wrong but i think she's from winnipeg which is uh which is a dope little little town i would say a medium-sized city in canada if you don't know but without further ado let's welcome the one and only jocelyn gould to the working artist project what up jocelyn hey how are you doing i'm good i'm good how you it, it's winnipeg right 
Yeah, I've never heard Winnipeg described as a dope little town before, though. So this is a first for me. <laughs> I, I, I played that, that you know, you know how you had that tour across Canada where you play all the jazz festivals? Yeah. I did that. That's the only reason I came to Winnipeg. And, um, okay. <laughs> who were who you doing that with? What year? I was, oh, sh- what year? I'm the wrong guy for that. But I, okay. I was doing it with uh, Bria Skomberg several, several years ago. Oh, that's the best. There's a strong Canadian connection happening on this podcast. It's just like hitting me now because you you have the connection with Bria. And last week we had Curtis on and this week we have Jocelyn. I play with Michael Buble. So yeah, this is like, we might as well, we need to get some Canadian sponsorship here. Seriously. I think, I think you could. What's that coffee (laughs) shop? Tim, 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 Tim 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 Hortons. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, man, you we would love y'all. it. That's right. We need y'all to give us uh, you know, we are a nonprofit, so you can go ahead and donate 10 million to us right now. We we're gonna do some good things in the music. Importance would donate some like Timbits, which are these like little donut circles. So maybe don't go to them. <laughs> but I'm fine with that too. We could, I, coffee. I do coffee every morning. I, I could have it flown down from, from Toronto every day. All right. Okay. Well, I'll I'll get in touch with them. I'll put in a word. So what how what how is it that there are so many amazing uh canadian musicians like what's that about i I was just joking with curtis on facebook and i was saying is it the snow like what what is it that you think kind of you know helps help y'all you know what's in the water down there or up there i don't know i that's interesting i actually feel like there aren't all that many amazing Canadian musicians. Maybe it's just that they stick out because I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's very obvious that we're Canadian, so it's just very clear. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. You hit me with a hard question right off the bat. We tried to get the hard hmm. questions out off air when I asked you what your favorite food was. <laughs> right that was easier than this (laughs) um hmm. i think well i can speak specifically about winnipeg curtis is from winnipeg too and we like i've known him since grade nine um so we knew each other when we were kids um i think winnipeg is really isolated you the nearest city is at like over a six hour drive away. So I think because of that, we're like very self-sufficient. We have to, you know, create our own scene. And so I do feel like particularly from Winnipeg, there's people who take initiative to, um, you know, yeah, be a part of the, the arts scene just because if we don't do it, nobody else will. No one really comes through Winnipeg except for like, you know, maybe during festival season, but it's not really, um, even moving to Toronto here, like people are just here all the time. I stopped in at a club the other day and Dana Stevens was playing and it was just like, does that, that doesn't happen really in Winnipeg. No one's just like in town. So specifically from Winnipeg, there are like quite a few great musicians like Joni Mitchell is from just that neck of the woods and um yeah I don't know I think it's something about being really isolated it's really cool there's not too much to do so we yeah 
And just like that, you name one of the greatest musicians of all time. Right after you said, hey, nobody from Canada that good. Oh, except for Joni Mitchell. <laughs> right. right, right. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, <laughs> something happening with the education system or like you said, like like that having the need to create something out of nothing is mm. great motivation. So because it, it seems like a lot of Canadians are self-starters. You know, you don't become Mal, uh, uh, Michael Bubbly. <laughs> out of nowhere right yeah totally that i think that does make sense i think you know it's a lot less likely that you're going gonna be heard by someone or join someone's band so i think there are a lot of leaders like bria um leaders in canada just because you have to get it started yourself a lot of the time what um you mentioned that you grew up with curtis um just out of curiosity what was like your musical upbringing like in a in a place like winnipeg and, and for someone who grow, does grow up in a town like that how did you get into studying jazz and, and and being such a great musician yourself yeah um i my parents were both hobbyists are both hobbyist musicians um they both played guitar just as a hobby and my dad was an elementary music teacher for his career so when i was growing up i kind of just like i don't know i was like i started singing before i could walk before i could make words i was singing in not words <laughs> um and just like i don't know was just always like as long as i can remember have been very passionate. I mean, I say I play guitar, but I like singing as my first passion. And um, I don't do it professionally, but I just love to sing and sing all day, every day, you know, and um, I just have had that since I was little. And my mom played guitar and sang me to sleep every night as a kid, as a baby. Um, and she's really like, yeah, so she just as a hobby, she just loved to do that. So I think I just got bitten by the the musical bug very, very little. And just as long as I can remember, have been really passionate about, about beautiful melodies. And um, I actually didn't start playing guitar. I was, I was late to it. I graduated from high school. I didn't do high school band or anything like that. I started playing guitar in my bedroom in high school i like didn't tell anybody it was like no one can ever know that i play guitar it was like kind of my own little like personal thing that i did for myself just like my own little um yeah just thing that i did for my own soul in my bedroom and i graduated from high school uh and started a chemistry degree did three years of a chemistry degree and there was a, a jazz program starting at my school and a bunch of amazing musicians were coming up from New York to and from other elsewhere as well to teach uh, like Jimmy Green and Quincy Davis um, and Terry Gully was up there for a year. He, Terry Gully was at my undergrad audition <laughs> and I just like started going to their the jam sessions they would host and just got like totally obsessed. Um, so I quit chemistry and auditioned for the the jazz program, and that was kind of how that happened. I think that was the best decision you ever made. 
I think so too. I think so too. Yeah. I dig this. And you just said something that, uh, that tickled my spidey senses here. You say you play guitar to please your own soul. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, when, and this, this happens when I'm playing and also when I'm singing, I don't know. There's just like something when you're making music, there's just some, and you like do something that you, that just like particularly, it's almost like this feeling you can't describe. It's something I, I think that it's like feeding your soul. I think that's, that's the best I can describe it. You just feel, feel something that you can't feel otherwise. And um, yeah, I was really um yeah i spent a lot of time as a teenager just playing playing in my bedroom writing writing songs i was like a prolific like singer songwriter as a kid um just for myself like no one could know <laughs> why, why, why didn't you want anyone to know that you play guitar was like is any type of like stigma associated with that or i don't know i think because i secretly really really cared about it so much that i didn't it was like too precious to me i couldn't I didn't like want anyone to judge me. I think I was like, this is too like close to, to this is too exposing. I think of who I really am for me to show people right now. I think I was also young. It's, it's, as you say that I'm like rem reminded of myself. I went to an all boys high school and you know, it was, had a, well, let's say hyper-masculine type energy and, um, you know, being a six, two or six, three, uh, clarinet player, <laughs> like I did, I didn't really want that broadcast around the school. And so yeah. I, like, I would definitely identify with, um, kind of wanting to keep your, your musical talents on the DL. Um, you know, I'm sure like a lot of people listening, you know, we all deal with, um, some type of. I don't want to, I, maybe self-doubt might not be the right word, but like we're timid and sometimes we get nervous. And, and how did you overcome that fear in you and maybe step out into the stage and, and begin performing and, and showing your talents to the world? Mm -hmm. It took me a, a long, a lot. I, I was so afraid of performing at the beginning when I, uh, like in my first few years of school, I would like cry during ensemble performances. <laughs> like I was very nervous and very, um, or not, not nervous, I guess, just, I cared about, about it so much. And I think there's this period when you're learning that's really tough where you've, you know, put a lot of time in and it hasn't manifested into something really yet. I think there's a big, a big delay between like input of time and, and that, that work kind of showing. And so for the first few years, I was like, I practiced all day and then I messed up this or like, I couldn't play what I wanted to play. I was really like, um, yeah, just very, I just wanted to, I think, yeah, be able to play what I wanted to play. And um, over time, I think I, I just learned to, I think improving helped, like getting, getting a little bit better at being able to like 
play the melodies I was hearing or, you know, just getting feeling a little bit more like I was expressing myself the way I would like to be able to was helpful. And I think also just maybe growing up a little bit and um, um, being able to distance myself from, from maybe what I, what I thought people would think of me if I like wasn't amazing or, you know, what all of that stuff. You know, as, as artists, sometimes we forget as we progress how intimate creation is, you know, and in the process, the process of that creation doesn't start on the bandstand. So like, it's easier to create when you're alone, right? You're in the room, in a dark cave, playing paradiddles and doing these cool things and you get in front of the audience and you have to open up and be completely vulnerable in front of a a hundred to 10 million strangers or whatever your audience is at that time. And that takes some getting used to because you have to be willing to not be perfect. Yeah. That's the part. That's the part that is a struggle. It's like, it's like you just say, you're, you have to get used to people judging you. And, and then you have to learn too, like the only people that are really judging you are your peers because the audience, they don't fucking know. They just like, that was great. (laughs) Totally. And don't you love, I've come to, or do you ever, do you, have you ever found that your favorite part of a performance has been like the more human when you're at like observe watching a concert that your favorite part is the human part that, you know, mistakes are awesome. Like they're great. Never forget. I don't know if you know this guy, you guys know Wayne Tucker. Yes. Listening to music at smoke one night to some people and they were really good. And he was like, man, you know, this is, this is really good, but it's boring because there's no struggle in this music. Mm. And I was like, damn, he was like, nobody came to hear them be perfect. You know, when all art, you want to see the struggle. Every wow. great story has a struggle. I yeah. You got to struggle that much, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny because like, yeah, no, I, I, I see what you're saying. And I, I agree with that to an extent. But I think, I think all, at the same time too, like it's really easy for artists to fall into the trap of like, I need to struggle or this is mm. not going to be good. Um, but yeah, balance, balance. It's always not about like, balance. Not like the physical struggle, like not your struggling, but like just the, what I'm saying, the struggle to me means the human element in the creation of the art. Mm-hmm. And like when you're playing and every note is perfect, that's boring, you know? It's like mm-hmm. if you go look at Picasso, it, it's beautiful because it's fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. Like not the other part, that artist Smith shit, not that shit. I don't, I want to be rich. I don't know about y'all. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like that. I agree. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm giving a soliloquy over here, uh, Jocelyn. We're here to talk about you, not about my thoughts. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I, <laughs> I'm very happy to be hearing your thoughts, though. <laughs> Why didn't you move to New York? Or you were in New York for a while, or you left. What happened? Tell me about that. Yeah, I um, eventually... When I finished school in Manitoba, in Winnipeg, I um, wanted to move to New York. And generally for Canadians, the easiest way to go to the States is through a student visa. So I actually wasn't interested in going to school 
at for like in like doing a master's at all. I would have preferred to just move straight to New York, but that's that's hard to do um, when you're not a citizen. Um, so I looked around for schools, ended up um, going to Michigan State University, which was a such a blessing in disguise. I learned so much there in my short two years and made a ton of great friends. And then from there moved to New York in um, 2018, right after I graduated Michigan State. And um, actually, I planned on being in New York for like at least a decade. I was like, okay, this is it. This is like what I'm doing. And I, you know, was working working really hard to get on the scene and um, loved it. But in a year later, like spring um, 2019, uh, the head of guitar position at Humber College in Toronto opened up and that's like Canada's biggest, that's like our big music school. So I applied and ended up getting the position. So came up to Toronto in fall 2019. Money, money, money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, okay. Wow. That's awesome. So it's funny because actually Darian and I were just talking about academia versus Perfect. performing and I'm, I, I, you know, I'm not gonna make this about me, but what, um, what influenced your decision to um, transition into the education sphere as opposed to continue to pursue the performance career? Mm-hmm. I, I remember reading an article that Tara Lynn Carrington wrote um, about, she was the, the main subject being interviewed for this article about the guitar. And Terry Lynn said, um, you know, for, for whatever reason, the guitar kind of remains one of the, the last instruments to sort of be um, kind of become less like totally dominated by men and so for me I just never had um it was a it was a, a, a tough field to get into just a tough um musical culture to get into playing the guitar um as as a young woman you know even just going into music stores could be really really difficult just going in like I remember buying my first electric guitar and just like kind of having almost like a panic attack going into the store like okay how like what 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 are the terms that i'm going to use like what how am i going to make it sound like i know what i'm doing and um unfortunately although there are you know so many incredible women playing guitar they're they're quite often spread out or we are like quite spread spread out and often communities have like very few women playing guitar in them. So um, I think that's kind of one of my main motivators when I had the opportunity to kind of, to start teaching. One of my, my main motivators was to take this guitar program and it's a big, big guitar department. There's 80 guitar players in this guitar department. Um, and when I started, they were all men. There wasn't a single a single woman in an 80 person guitar department, 80. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Totally. It's, it's like by far the biggest guitar department in Canada. And, um, 
um, I remember my first day there, my first job was to do one-on-one auditions with all every student and place them in ensembles. And um, I just remember being so, even though I knew what the, I knew the situation, I knew, you know, the, the, the state of the guitar community, but it was still shocking to just see 80, 80 students come and go and no, you know, young women in there. And so I'm, yeah, I think just really interested and particularly passionate about um, just trying to help create environments where any young person can feel safe. And it's so like, it almost looks like you feel like it's like you're exaggerating to say that like something as as random as like guitar culture can be unsafe, but I think that it can be. And so I think just like trying to, I don't know, um, maybe give younger people the, the just experience that I guess I wish I would have had, I think. So yeah, it's it's been super rewarding so far, and I've just met so many amazing young young women, and like everybody, guitar is so cool. Everybody wants to like it's it's ridiculous the thought that something like gender would would separate people from like those who want to play guitar and those who don't want to play guitar. Like guitar is just awesome, so of course everybody wants to play it. It's just a lack of um, access and a lack of um, um, I think mentors and visibility on, on, yeah, just throughout the community, I think. So yeah, that's, I think overall what I'm most passionate about when it comes to teaching. Yeah. It's kind of a good thing too. Cause you know, a lot of times it's, I think it's in some ways easier for young people to connect with a teacher that looks vaguely the same age as, as them. And, and sometimes it create it has its, its, its downfall too, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a lot easier to hear advice from someone that, that looks like they just experienced something similar than you versus like someone who's noticeably older. And you're like, advice is so dated. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, totally. As a teacher, what, what do you, what do you hope to impart into your students? And like, what, like what? What do you think? Uh, like what do you want your students to know leaving school? And, and and what what do you think it's important for them to be prepared? Like how how should they be prepared for the real world? Yeah, I'm curious. I'm very curious to know what to know what you think. Uh-oh. But I guess <laughs> I guess what I think is just. Um, to you know whatever it is that you would like to do like first of all you can do it like if you're so super capable I find just that knowing that you're capable of achieving what you would like to achieve I think is half the battle and then just sort of the mentality of approaching what it is that you would like to achieve wholeheartedly and just um, not waiting 
for things to come to you. I think we can really kind of take initiative, pick our goals, figure out what we would like to do, figure out how we can, you know, um, how we can achieve our goals. I think the, that things are very, um, if you have a goal, I think you can, you know, uh, probably get there, which is maybe as like a little naive on my end, but I, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. Feel, I mean, like philosophically. I, I, I believe, yeah. I mean, all education and all achievement in life begins with a goal. You have to have a vision. I totally agree with that. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, like, it's funny because there's a part of me that like, I mean, I love teaching. Teaching is one of my passions and it's, it's, you know, there's, I'm thinking of this quote that my mentor, I, I read somewhere that he said, it was like, there's nothing like quite like the experience of seeing the light light mm -hmm. up in someone's eyes. And um, yeah, that's, that's something that I think is very special and very unique about being a teacher. It's like, just kind of like, you know, walk, walk hand in hand with someone through their development. And uh, you know, at the end of the year, it's like, look, man, you're playing all your major scales. You couldn't do that seven months. Totally. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I think, I, tr I, I don't know. I mean, I, for me, like, I really want to, I feel like I try to gauge every student's, like what they want and maybe like how they act in the classroom a little bit. Like there's some cats who, like I teach high school. So there's some cats who are like, yeah, I'm going to be a mathematician next year. It's cool. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like, that's fine. As long, you know, as long as you're cool in class and you sound decent, we're, we're cool. But then for the kids who are like, I want to be a musician, I'm like, all right, well, that guy over there who wants to be a mathematician is practicing more than you. So what's up with that? <laughs> but I, I don't know. I feel totally. like I'm not trying to be like a, I, I never try to like have a gotcha moment with any of the kids or anything like that. But I definitely, I don't, I don't, I'd be curious to know actually, like as a musician, is there like any type of like subsidy in a, in Canada for musicians or how does that work? Yeah. Um, Canada is actually pretty, and I didn't, I took this for granted until I lived in the U S um, Canada actually is, has a lot of, of funding for artists and really? there, yeah, there's a lot of grant money. There's actually a really cool um, grant that just started, and it's basically like you kind of apply for it and get it. Like this is just an example. We, Canada just started this new program for uh, musicians with young children to be able to bring childcare on the road with them what yeah like pretty pretty damn cool um yeah wow. of course no system is no system is perfect but i i took these types of that type of thing for granted until i realized like oh like not everywhere is doing that you know yeah for for my for my kids here in new orleans i'm like y'all like if you're not gigging and if, if you don't have a good paying job or whatever it is like you better be real because there's no one no one's gonna come help you you know uncle sam is busy somewhere else in the world <laughs> doing yeah. whatever he's doing over there but and so i guess i guess for me like as a musician like i i, I definitely i full i wholeheartedly believe that if you work hard and have a dream and, and and tirelessly pursue it um anything is possible but yeah i just i kind of i also want to keep it real with the kids and be like yeah like you know 
but also probably not probably not possible you gotta put the time in too you You know know. (laughs) yeah totally yeah 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 it's a it's a balance between being like you can do anything and like but probably it's never gonna happen (laughs) yeah it's it's a it's a vibe out here I'm gonna try to just switch because Greg already knows I'll go down a rabbit hole on this topic for sure. I thought I thought we were just talking, and you said you changed your mind on education. No, I didn't say that. (laughs) Darian's an avid lover of colleges, and he believes wholeheartedly. (laughs) Doctorate, colleges, racket. That's complete bullshit. But um, (laughs) Jocelyn, I know you are an educator, so we're not gonna get into. That's. we that i would love to let you like i fully respect and probably agree with everything you would say okay cool i I had a different question Um, Mm -hmm. i mean it's still kind of pertaining to your to to your your work at the university but i'm just wondering do you feel freer now that you have a not i hate the word stable job but just a more consistent you can pr- consistently predict your financial situation every 30 days. Do, does that free you in any way? Um, it's sort of a double-edged sword, I think, because like financially, yes, I guess it's, um, you know, nice to know, to not be like, hey, well, my ability to, you know, pay rent depends on how many gigs I happen to get. It's not, it's not um, very, it's not a variable, but you're also very tied down in, you know, so um, in, in some senses, I feel less free. I actually just got back to Toronto um, last Monday. I was on a seven week tour in the States um and was when i asked to do this tour i was like oh yeah they'll totally let me and they did but i found out later i'm still you know new to like this type of job i found out later people were like they let you do that and i was like yeah why wouldn't they they were like they never let that's like crazy that you were able to do that um so i think just the the lack of freedom, like being responsible to, to something like that is less freeing. But I mean, of course, having uh, a predictable income is, does reduce stress in that, in that area. All right. I'm going to make this about me now. Great. Um, no, but, but do you, how does, how do you, I mean, you know, again, like that's, and I guess we're always wa- finding that balance between like, you know, some, some type of stability and, and um, you know, going for adventure and taking risks and things like that. Do you like, I, I, I'm in the midst of like the same type of decision. And uh, how, how do you feel about like, yeah, what happens when you get that dream offer and school is like, no, sorry, you need to, um, there's the freshman guitar recital at lunch. <laughs> And um, they're playing, they're playing four, was it four on six? What's that tune? I love that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love it. It's a great tune. But but you play the fifth guitar part and you can't leave. (laughs) I I don't know. Like, and you know, what's, what's weird for me too is like, I'm like, you know, like I don't have kids and I still Mm -hmm. consider myself to be relatively young. 
And um, how do you feel about maybe like looking into the future? And is that something that like you've considered in, in your pursuit of academia? I would leave if it like, I'm not <laughs> like, uh, if I really wanted to do something, <laughs> I would leave. Like, that's kind of a deal I made with myself. Like I have to like, you know, if, if, if it gets in the way, then it's not for you. If it gets in the way of your dreams, then it's not the, then it's not for you. And I remember talking with one of my teachers um, well, I was talking with Rodney Whitaker, who's the the head of Michigan State, when I was like considering um, accepting this position, and he was like, "You don't have to do it forever. Just just go get some money. Like, just he was like, go get your money and do it until it's not right for you. And that could be one year, that could be longer. It doesn't really it doesn't really matter how long how long you do it." That is that is indeed sound advice. But you mentioned yeah. mentioned your dream. So what what is your dream situation, and and what does that look like exactly? Ah, that's such a good question. I I love recording. I actually was just I just ran home from. I recorded an album yesterday and today, um, so it was like running running home from that. So I'm still kind of like high from high from recording all day today. Um, I would love to to record all the time. I love writing music. I love recording. I love traveling, um, and and touring and performing as well. But there's something that I just really really love about like writing a tune and seeing it like into completion. Um, so if I like my dream would probably be some touring, but also just getting to complete compose and record and put out records and do that all the time. I would love that. Yeah. yeah it's, it's funny because sometimes, you know, in life, your dreams intersect. So you could be living one dream, but then you get offered your other dream. And so that's when it becomes difficult. Which dream do I really want to live right now? Yeah. Have, has it ever happened to you? Yes, definitely. Okay, what did you do? I think like, so. Flip a coin? What did you do? Um, I just made a decision, I think. I think I've gotten, like, fairly good at just sort of, like, because as, especially as musicians, we're faced with these types of decisions all the time, like two gigs in a night or, you know, this or that. And I think that one one skill that it's, is great for us to have is just to be able to like pick a path and go with it and not question it and just pick one and be like, this is what I'm doing. This is, this is my path right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is my path right now. And I like what you said earlier with Rodney. You said, you don't got to do this shit forever. I mean, you do this for six yeah. months, man. Keep it moving. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Totally. I, I, I love that. I love that too. That's Curtis. Curtis always says that. Just keep it moving. Keep it moving, baby. <laughs> I've been telling myself for the last couple of weeks, I'm like the worst type of decision is indecision. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And things like a decision is only a decision if there's pros and cons. Like if it's, if there aren't, you know, if, if it's not hard, then it's not a decision. Then it's just clear. So like a decision is only a decision if there's something to be lost on each side or gained on each side, I think. 
let's I think this is a good opportunity right now for us to listen to this song that she wrote about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make it up, y'all. I don't know. <laughs> it's called Gemini. What why mm-hmm. did, what's this one about? And then I'm, I'm gonna play it for my people. Uh I'm a Gemini and I guess I wrote it because the there's like two super different sections and Geminis are known for having like drastically different personalities. Um, so that's, yeah, that's why I called it that. Here we go. We about to get, we about to get real intimate with Jocelyn right now. Gemini. Yeah, you're right, y'all. That right there is called Gemini by the one and only Jocelyn. We over here, uh, me, her, and Greg having some some interesting conversations. All I'm saying is that if there's two clarinets playing at the same time, maybe you'll be able to hear us. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Jocelyn, what 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 inspires your compositions and? Do you feel like uh, inspired by a certain composer or uh, maybe Hmm. subject matter in life? Oh, geez, that's a great question. Uh, I've been really into writing songs my whole life. Um, And like I was mentioning, I grew up in central Canada, which has like a pretty long history of songwriting. Um, Joni Mitchell and 
Neil Young is from Winnipeg and um, Bob Dylan is from like, you know, Minnesota, like very close to Winnipeg. So just that area of, um, I don't know, there's just a lot of like, that's sort of what I grew up kind of hearing. And I think ultimately that's like sort of where, where my compositional heart is. So I think that I usually just want to like compose a melody that kind of resonates with me uh, like a melody that I think is singable and something that, that, yeah, I think, I think melodies are what I, what have always, what I've always sort of been drawn to. And my favorite improvisers are, you know, so melodic. Um, yeah. Uh, favorite composer, probably, probably Joni Mitchell. Like, um, that's who I, yeah, that's sort of my, who I grew up listening to. I think it's interesting that in the the cats that you listed, none of them are traditional jazz musicians. So I'm like wondering, you, you use the word songwriting to describe um, the, the passion that you have for composition. And I was wondering if that's, mm -hmm. is songwriting different than writing tunes or standards or how, how do you see that? I don't think so. I think, I think, I mean, well, for, for me anyway, I think that a lot of it is, is this, the same a lot of us are working with I mean it's it's like sound it's all sound I don't know I like struggle to find super major differences I I guess I think you know what it is people forgot jazz musicians got so deep into chord changes that they forgot mm. real motherfuckers listen to the songs like normal people who don't know chord changes and don't know intricate rhythms and they, they don't know these things or care about them at all. So when you get somebody like Bob Dylan or uh, Mississippi John Hurt, people who are who are writing more simplistic forms, mm -hmm. like and, and you get a person like you, Jocelyn, who uh, admires those people, all of a sudden the music you write is very accessible. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like anybody can listen to it and feel good versus. Mm -hmm. Somebody who studied what seventeen plus eighteen minus thirty two C sharp eleven B flat mm. this and that you know what I mean? It's like that, that. That's the difference. I don't think there is a difference. There's just like like Duke Ellington said. It's only good and bad music, and most quote unquote jazz musicians write bad music. Mm. In my humble opinion, and, uh, write me in my emails, and I can tell you how much your music sucks if you don't believe. <laughs> I was having a really interesting, this for some reason just makes me think of this. I recently um, had an interesting conversation about Joni Mitchell with Steve Wilson. And he was saying that he thinks, because, you know, jazz music, like, yeah, jazz musicians are, they, we, they love Joni for, and I was like, why do you think that is? And he was like, I think that, um, like the way she doesn't adhere to form, like she sings, she plays and sings so freely and there's often no form to her music. And that's like very similar to like blues um, in, in that. that too, right? Totally, totally. But most of yeah. Bob Dylan's music sucks. In my opinion, it's terrible. It's like out of tune and shit. I, 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 I feel like we agree on, on a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I thought that was... Yeah, super 
interesting i hadn't i hadn't thought about that like the connection of like the lack of form you know well, so yeah. you mentioned that you were just getting out of the studio so can you tell us about the project that you have coming up and uh when we can be expecting to to, to hear another record yeah um i have so i just recorded my third album this weekend but i haven't put out my second one yet so i have two kind of ready to go so this weekend i was um doing a four night run at the rex here in toronto and um quincy davis came up from texas and rodney came up from rodney whitaker came up from michigan and um uh randy napoleon who's another guitar player came up from michigan as well and we all we played four nights at the Rex and then just spent two, two days recording. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, new, new music. And I probably won't release it till like for like a year and a half or something, but it was really fun, fun to record it. Virginia recorded with us as well. So it was like kind of a cool configuration two guitars and clarinet. It was like very weird, um, but super, super fun fun to do <laughs> i'm writing in the chat clarinet's the best clarinet! <laughs> yeah yeah it's like yeah and shout out to virginia because I, I i have to say without a doubt she's she's one of my favorite clarinet players that's out there playing right now and and i think she's undoubtedly probably one of the best out there right now she's so kaylin it's like yeah totally she's she's super incredible yeah Super fun on Instagram and immediately called Greg and was like, Have you seen this? <laughs> totally. Like, oh, yeah, that's my friend. Oh, oh shoot. <laughs> yeah, she's like, she's super cool too. Like, really just amazing. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. Why are Canadians all so friendly? Maybe we get your perspective on this. I actually know the answer. Um, and we're not actually that fun. So there's a few reasons if you like really want to know. And I genuinely mean that as a compliment because oh, I think like every Canadian that I've met is like just very personable and kind mm -hmm. and, and just mm -hmm. wonderful, you know? I think it's fake. Okay. I have like several theories. Of, well, there's like, there's like, I really think I know this. Um, so <laughs> I guess there was, so there was like a, whatever, like conflict between like when Canada and America were forming and those who stayed loyal to like Britain or whatever, I'm not a historian. I'm proud. This is probably not even what happened, but it's okay. you could just, just, just say <laughs> and confidence and it will, will definitely digest this fact. Right. Right. Those who, what, who stayed loyal to Britain, I think were like more possibly like there was like a mild mannered, less defiant culture, supposedly. This is what we were told, which is probably also indoctrination. And so apparently the like more mild people stayed up north. I don't know. That's probably, there's probably a lot of, a lot of falseness in that. I will say this. I, in 2019, we spent a lot of time in the UK and that was really my first time out there. And all of a sudden, it made sense to me as why some Americans are the way they are. Yeah. This is where they're from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're trying to say a lot without saying anything. 
Uh, just read the people's history of the United States. And, uh, mm. Okay, um, we're going. Hey, <laughs> listen, Jocelyn, we coming up to we coming up on time here, unfortunately. So mm. before we go, I want to make sure I, we give you an opportunity to tell the people where they can connect with you, yeah. where they can buy your Canadian flag. <laughs> I'm not. I feel like I made myself sound very patriotic just now, <laughs> which I'm not at all. <laughs> but yeah, tell people how they can link with you and how they can buy everything that you sell. Um, uh, they can go to my website, jocelyngold.com. Um, uh, Instagram, uh, I guess Jocelyn Gold Music. Facebook, Jocelyn Gold Music. Um. Yeah, I think I think my website. I try to keep up to date with with dates and all of that. Beautiful. So y'all go over to jocelyngold.com and uh, you can buy your Canadian flags, <laughs> hats, <laughs> buttons, all of that stuff over there. <laughs> I'm sure you can find Jocelyn also on Instagram, definitely on Facebook, and uh, she's easy to find. Oh, you know what I forgot to say. You know, I got five sisters, and one of them is her name is Jocelyn. I know this because um, the one time we texted about a gig that you were weren't able to make, you were like, "I'll remember your name because my sister's name is Jocelyn." Oh, oh, I remember that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and cool. spelled the same way, right? Yeah, spelled the exact same way. Oh, which actually I think is the boy's way of spelling it. Oh, is it? Yeah, I've learned that it, like the girl's way is supposed to have an e on the end. Dang. <laughs> well, nobody got that memo. You know no, nobody got the memo. <laughs> Jocelyn, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was really a, a great opportunity to to sit down and, and have a chance to talk. And uh, your music is really uh, uh -huh. incredible. And your guitar playing is beautiful. You have a, a fantastic tone on the guitar, too. That's it's really very tasteful. Oh, thanks. Thank you for having me. I've been like... Yeah, I mean, Darian, I'm such a huge fan of yours. So I was, yeah, really, really excited to get asked to do this. So thank you. Oh, man, thank you. I'm a huge fan of yours, man. Me and Greg were oh. driving to his house, bumping your record as loud as we could in the car. And everybody know what's up. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right, y'all. My name is Darian Douglas. And I'm Gregory Ajid. <laughs> this is the Working Arts Project, and we'll catch y'all later. Peace.